Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. Hey there, welcome back to Yolitics. I want to start with a, a question for Big Man Wheeler here. Uh oh. Let's, let's say you won the lottery. You got an extra twenty-seven oh, that billion nice? dollars. Twenty-seven how many, bills. How many dollars would I have? Twenty-seven billion. About three billion more than you have now. Gosh. Um. Yeah. W- what do you do with that extra cash, man? And don't say buy rollerblades or fruity beer. I could do a lot of damage with twenty-seven billion dollars. <laughs> I, actually, I could do a lot of good with twenty-seven billion. Um, I would be content with I don't know half of that, Jason. Thirteen point five would be enough for me. Uh, that is a ton of money, and it's and, it, and it's the kind of figure that is almost a little bit dangerous because I think it might lead you to start thinking of too many things, and before right. you know it, you've racked up about forty billion dollars in ideas for your twenty-seven billion. And we bring this up because that's the topic of this podcast uh, that we're going to talk about here in just a few moments. Uh, But before, it's not just, you know, lottery winnings and things like that. But the state legislature is going to have $27 billion extra to spend when they reconvene in January. What does that mean that that you and I, average Texans, might get out of this? We'll talk about it in just a moment here. But first, what are you drinking, Wheeler? Um, I am, for the first time in my life, being consistent. Uh, I think this is the second week in a row that I'm having this, and I've got one more in the fridge. It's the uh, Community Beer Honey Citrus Blonde. Apparently, this was a six-pack that was put into the uh, fridge. Usually, they're not the same. Um, But yeah, I'm having to make my—I liked it the last time, thank goodness, because, you know, they just seem to keep multiplying there in the back of the refrigerator as I continue the clean-out. Well, who who put that in circulation, you think? Uh, I told you, there is a little elf— uh, who apparently puts beers in here because, you know, I'll, sometimes it's things I would not choose. And then sometimes it's like, again, you know, five or six of something. And I, I usually don't do that. So I went out and bought a, a I'm not a brand loyalist, I guess. You aren't? I guess not. I yeah. usually choose different ones. Um, I went out and bought a, uh, a six pack of different beers. And uh, I saw this when you inspired me that this is a um, pineapple head. Ah, that it, sounds what good. It is. It's now, from is that Shannon, a Texas beer. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, thanks for asking. I appreciate you testing me on this. Um, <laughs> this is from Shannon Brewing Company. It's in Keller, Texas. Hmm. Uh, Keller is in uh, Tarrant County, just north. Uh, it's near DFW Airport. And it's called Pineapple Head. I've been through there. It's a double dry hopped India Pale Ale with real pineapple. And I, I got a story about this one too. Hold on, let me let me crack it open here. It's a good open. You didn't spill it all over yourself this week. That's a, an improvement. It's it? not bad. That's actually pretty good. So we're both having oh. citrus. Welcome to the Citrus Club. Right. So I, I was buying uh, th- this random six pack of beer and, uh, you know, each or maybe three, four five bucks. I, I don't know how much these are. And I expense these as always. Mm-hmm. Um, but the bill was considerably more than I anticipated for the six pack. And I, I, so I paid it and I walked down like, ah, something, something wasn't right there. But let me get in the car. I'll look at the receipt. The pineapple head. I think it was the pineapple head. It was one of these beers were fourteen dollars. Oh my gosh! I'm like, are you kidding me? Fourteen bucks. They they must have thought I was you. I'm not. I don't pay fourteen dollars <laughs> for fruity beer. Wait, but you did though. I did, and then I was I was half thinking to go back inside and return it, but I said, you know what? If it's that expensive, let me try to live like Wheeler does every so often. Live the high <laughs> life, the one percent life. And see if it really is good. But I, I don't. First have... of all, I would not have thought for a moment about returning that beer because I would think <laughs> I need to try this beer. Like there must be see? something about this beer. My point is made. 
My so you think you're sipping from the $14 beer right now? You know what? If Shannon Brewing Company is listening to us, I could have sworn it was a Shannon beer. I, I, I bought two Shannon Brewing Company beers, and I think it's I think it's Pineapple Head. I might have someone hmm. correct me. Um, our listener might correct me here. But I, I believe that's Does it taste it like a, a, a $14 beer? I, I, I don't have the palate for that like like you. My palate is you not know, refined as well. This as is wasted on you then. If you're going to buy expensive stuff, you need to be able to taste the difference. <laughs> My second uh, point that I wanted to make there, yeah. though, that I didn't get to is, uh, so we've been joining via Zoom a lot here in, in the pandemic. We used to get together in person more, uh, which we will get back to here. Uh, but you've been expensing your beers the whole time? Mm. Oh, you haven't? No. I've been oh, eating sorry, this. Man. Oh. Okay, well, I'm going to go dig up some receipts, and there's going to yeah. be one massive expense. And it still might not equal your last receipt with these $14 beers. <laughs> Jeez, I did not know that that was a benefit. But uh, look out, work. Yeah, uh, right. Uh, that expense report's coming. Let's talk about receipts, though. Um, this podcast is about all the sales tax receipts, the oil and gas receipts of all the things that we've been buying over the past year. Uh, all that money adds up. And the person in Texas who looks at this and adds all this stuff up is a state comptroller. His name mm -hmm. is Glenn Hagar. He's essentially the, the chief financial officer, the CFO for the state. And he just told a few weeks ago, just told state lawmakers, listen, we're going to have a hell of a lot more money than we ever anticipated having when you guys come back to Austin in January. We're going to have almost 26, uh, actually almost $27 billion extra over Extra. last budget that you guys can do something with. And mm -hmm. that's why we're going to have, uh, you know, that's why he's on the line here with us. We're going to talk to him here in just a second. Yeah, my curiosity, you know, because you asked, you started off, um, you know, asking me and, and, and now, frankly, I feel very disappointed because it's I'm not going to have a twenty seven billion dollar you know, amount to spend. Um, but the serious question to, to everybody who's listening is, how would you spend it? You know, if you're yeah. listening to us in Texas, you know, we, of course, we have a worldwide audience, but. If you're listening to us in Texas, how would you spend it? Because at the end of the day, this is your money. Uh, this is your extra $27 billion. And we know that, you know, a lot of people are struggling right now. Uh, you know, difficult times for a lot of folks. Uh, where would you like to see lawmakers put that? And, you know, you might want to reach out to them and tell them uh, because they've got a lot of money to spend here and uh, they do respond when they get enough phone calls and emails about these things and they're about to go into a session uh, here in January. Yeah, you, you, you should. It's not you might want to. You should reach out to your lawmakers and, and tell them what that money should be spent on. There are some Republicans, uh, state leaders who say that, hey, we want to give uh, property tax relief, give mm -hmm. uh, spend some of this money on property tax relief and buy down what you and I have been paying uh, that's been skyrocketing. For, for years and years in this state. Some Democrats tell me they think this money should be spent on education because mm -hmm. the state of Texas hasn't been spending as much on education. You and I through property taxes or you know renters through your rent are, have been making up uh, for that. So mm -hmm. let's talk, let's kind of zoom out on this. We're not really getting into the politics of this, but we're talking about kind of the, the health of the state, the strength of the Texas economy and, uh, and, and what's to come considering what all we've already been through right now. So we have on the phone, as I just mentioned a moment ago, Glenn Hagar, he's a Texas comptroller. And, and uh, you know, Comptroller Hagar, we, we've talked to you before. I've interviewed you before, but this is your first appearance on the podcast. So welcome. It is. It's good to be with you as always. 
It's about time. We've been doing this for a while. I can't yeah. believe this is your first visit here. You know, I just keep waiting by the phone to listen to <laughs> one of you two to call me and you just don't call. But finally, you did. Thank well, you. And look at this. You we call and, it, you know, <laughs> you get to come bearing good news this time, too, don't you? I mean, absolutely. We're looking at these, you know, potential surpluses in the Texas budget. And uh, boy, that always feels a lot better than red ink. Yeah, I tell you what, you know, the economy, as I was telling a group this morning, as I was speaking, that the economy in Texas really has outperformed our expectations, you know, month after month, year after year, especially over the last two years. And I'm going to tell you, the last 12 months has been truly phenomenal. We have seen record revenue increases in the state treasury over the course of the last year, last year and a half and ever before. Every single stream of revenue into the treasury of tax collections is up higher than anticipated, with the exception is one is not higher. And I don't know if anybody's necessarily crying over it. That's cigarette taxes. So that's the only one that's down. But I think we would all say that's probably a good thing. So have you ever seen that happen, though, where you have almost every single revenue stream going uh, coming in at a higher rate than you thought? You know, you've seen them come in higher, but nothing comparison to what we've seen as of late. You know, when you talk about, say, sales tax, for example, which is the biggest revenue stream in the state of Texas from a tax perspective, and 58% of all of our collections and taxes is sales tax. When you see revenues every single month coming in double digit higher than that same month a year ago, or even being 18 or 20 plus percent higher, whether that's consumer spending, you and I, obviously a consumption economy, all industry sectors continue to outperform where they have been before. So that's really when the economy here in Texas is hitting from all perspectives, all cylinders, as you would say, from every industry perspective. And normally not every industry is at the same pace of continuing to decrease. So it's really phenomenal here in Texas right now. And because of all this good news, too, you told the legislature to get ready to be rolling in the green, essentially, here. Mm -hmm. Um, lawmakers going to have what an extra almost $27 billion to do something with when they reconvene in Austin in January. You mentioned sales taxes way up. High oil and gas prices uh, are up as well, too, caused a lot by the war in Ukraine, among other things. Uh, that meant more revenue for Texas, too. And I, I noticed you pointed out a couple of times inflation uh, was a factor here as well, too. You know, this is a political podcast uh, here and Republicans, we, we take note all the time, Republicans in this case are actually running on the fact that inflation is so bad. Who would argue with that? No one wants inflation when they're going to the grocery store or elsewhere. But inflation was really good for Texas in this sense, wasn't it? Well, I don't know if I'd say it's good for Texas because essentially that means that you and I, the average consumers paying more at the grocery store or paying more at the gas pump also means that when you and I pay more, yes, the state derives more revenues and taxes, but also on the flip side, it means that guess what? The state of Texas has higher expenses as well. So as revenues may be increasing, the off balance is the state still has to pay higher salaries, still has those pressures on all the different issues that we have to deal with, whether it's supply chain issues or as we're talking about inflationary pressures to build roads cost more. Or another issue that I've been talking a lot about recently is broadband infrastructure, internet infrastructure with a new right. division the legislature gave me. And, and one of the points that I make is that everybody's gonna be trying to do infrastructure and broadband, which is important, but that puts that much more constraint and mean expenses are higher. So in one part, yes, revenues are stronger, but on the flip side, it also means the state's going to have to pay more. And I really wanted to highlight that balance between while the economy is outperforming what we could have expected at this point, 
Also, a portion of that, unfortunately, is higher revenues because you and I are paying more than what we were just a year ago. Well, if, mm-hmm. if the Federal Reserve can successfully, you know, tame inflation as it's raising these rates, what right. does that mean to the state's growth? Well, you know, I think we all know that as the Fed is trying to tame inflation, which is it's not transitory, unfortunately, it's here to stay right now. We're all dealing with it every single week, every single day. Different issues have different inflationary pressures, unfortunately. And so the Fed is trying to tame that. As they tame that and raise interest rates, that also means if you're in the market to buy a house, now your monthly mortgage is going up because of a higher interest. It also means if you're trying to get a new car, you have a higher interest rate. Or even, unfortunately, it means that we're going to have higher unemployment across the nation. But one of the points that I continue to point out is that Texas, we've been blessed. We average about an extra thousand people a day either move or are naturally growth in the state of Texas. Texas economy is growing. While we don't know what's on the horizon, if there is a downturn in the national or the global economy, we're not immune to that. We will have impacts as well. But I also believe firmly that Texas is going to outpace the national average whatever economic position that means. So it probably means unemployment is going to go up, not just nationally, but may tick up a little bit here in Texas as well as the Fed continues to raise interest rates and as they're attempting to tame that inflation. You mentioned housing there. uh, And so I want to just dive right into property taxes, because going into this next legislative session, we have heard that perhaps uh, lawmakers will really get to work on doing something to provide property tax relief to Texans because they're seeing this big surplus here. Uh, What are you hearing there in Austin? How serious is this push this time? We always hear it going into legislative sessions. How serious is it this time? Well, I think it's very serious. I mean, the fact is the governor made this comment last week alone as he knew I was about to give the revenue estimate update as we're going to talk about the bigger numbers. So he went ahead and put that as a marker. That's probably one of his priorities, as well as I hear from members across the entire state of Texas. And typically what we've had is rising valuations also means rising property taxes. The legislature two legislative sessions ago limited the amount of growth that can occur on the school side, as well as the county and the city side. So while we see rapid valuation increases, typically that's been in suburban urban areas. But over the course of the last year, it's not just in suburban urban areas. It's across the entire state of Texas, all 254 counties. And so I bring that up in part to make the point that it's not just suburban urban legislators here in it. It's legislators across the entire state of Texas. So I think that means it's more real than before. But also in part, I think, you know, we we will hopefully see as we've been getting our appraisal notices of values that have gone up when the tax notices come subsequently as local jurisdictions are setting their tax rates this summer, then that also means the two don't necessarily match up like they used to. One goes up, the other one almost equally goes up. And so I think we might have a little bit of a pleasant surprise that your valuations may have gone up 20%, but your tax value cannot go up that high as it used to be able to go up to almost double digits with 8% increases. So I think people will see a little bit of relief, but I think the fact is the legislature and probably governor's office and others are very, very focused on trying to do something with property taxes this next session again. You mentioned local jurisdictions as well, too. You've been sending... Uh, sales tax revenue back to cities and counties and, and special governments uh, across the uh, state. Um, should we expect city halls and county commissions to have a lot of extra money and, and be considering what to do with that as well, too, whether it's property tax relief uh, on their side or, or whether they're going to to build new roads and things like that? 
So I think a couple things first and foremost is that revenues have increased in the state of Texas bigger than most have anticipated. Our economy is really outpaced what everyone would even thought could have occurred right after the pandemic or as we got to the recovery. So, you know, yes, I do think local jurisdictions are going to have higher revenues coming into their jurisdiction. One of the points that we talked about earlier in the segment is that also means there's higher expenses. And so I think, you know, all jurisdictions, kind of the same as I told the legislature and kind of briefing, managing what we thought is coming. And with that new revenue increase is uh, estimate. The fact is, is everybody, same as we are in our own household, is trying to balance that. You know, how do we make sure we're building infrastructure, roads, water systems, those things that you and I need on a basic everyday level? And that's what keeps this economy going around and around, making sure we have crime prevention, police officers, fire protection, but then also balancing out how do you make sure to deal with those increased costs that you're going to see as a result of the inflation, just like you and I are paying for it. So I think they're going to have to deal with that and, and they need to. We need to have an open, honest discussion to make sure all the taxpayers know exactly what they're getting for the dollars that we pay in taxes. How big of a deal is this for school districts? You know, when you start seeing a, a surplus like this at the state level, everybody always worries about school funding uh, going into these sessions. And we know in years past uh, that hasn't been, you know, a pretty situation uh, some years better than others. Um, how big of a deal is this going to be for schools here in Texas? Well, I think anything and everything is on the table is how do you invest into the into Texas in the future? And one of the things that I've tried to do myself since I've been in the CFO role, chief financial officer role for the state of Texas is not just how do we deal with the two-year budget that's in front of us, but how do we deal with looking at the long-term issues that impact us as taxpayers in the state, five, 10, 15, 20 years. And so when you have a surplus potential of this magnitude, you know, just like you and I would, if we, if we have some extra dollars at the end of the year, we look around and say, you know what, it's time to make an improvement in our household. It's time to make an extra payment on our you know, mortgage or our car payments or whatever that is to put ourselves in a better position. So you kind of have that once and I'd hate to say a lifetime opportunity, but a lot, an opportunity that comes around every so often is how do we do that? But one thing that's good about the state of Texas is not only do you have two limits on the state budget, one, if Glenn Hager says we only have this much money, that's all you can spend because that's the forecast for the revenues. The second one, normally that's the controlling limit, but this one has such a big surplus, his limit is not that important so more. But thankfully, we have a second one, and it's called the constitutional spending limit. And that constitutional spending limit is what was the budget last time? plus a certain amount of population inflation adjustment. So therefore, the point being is they're going to be constrained, constrained by a constitutional spending limit, which I think is good because the fact is you always want to be able to save for a rainy day in the future, not knowing what's going to happen in the economy. It's funny that you bring that up because you said something about how we deal with our personal finances. When I know that I have a lot of extra money coming in, it seems like I've spent it four times over by the time it actually lands in my hand. Is that a concern when we're going into a legislative session that we're going to have this wish list that is as long as a CVS receipt? Uh, well, one, uh, once I out. said you have 27 billion potential cash carryover balance at the end of the two year budget cycle. And oh, by the way, we didn't mention that our state savings account or economic stabilization fund will have about 13 and a half billion dollars in it. So you can't really combine the two because there are different mechanisms the way you get the money out. It's a supermajority vote to get it out of the state savings account, has some limitations on it. But the point being is we've never been in a better position. So that means does everybody show up with a bigger Christmas list? 
Oh, yes, they do. But that's also one of the reasons when I testified in the House and the Senate last week, given kind of a prelude of what we were going to state in the revenue estimate, I made the point is you do have a constitutional spending limit. You are constrained by that. And that's a good thing in Texas. You know, we're glad we don't have deficit spending. And when we do have big surpluses, you can only actually increase your expenditures so much. And you have to look at them just like I do, we do in households to budget it wisely, not just for now, but for the future as well. You're the most popular guy in Austin right now, aren't you? Yeah, probably these days, uh, a little more popular than I used to be when you have dollars <laughs> of this amount. That's for yeah. sure. Well, I want to I want to stress something you just mentioned a moment ago. And that's a constitutional spending limit. Texas lawmakers can't come back in January and just go crazy with these big, uh, you know, Christmas wish lists as they might wish lists they might have. Uh, but they can get around it, as you mentioned, too, if they have a uh, a two thirds majority in each chamber. That's right. Th- that doesn't seem likely. I don't recollect a time in Texas when that's happened. Um, since this spending limit has been in there. H- how likely is that w- with all this money sitting on the table? Well, I've had legislators ask me questions specifically as though, you know, can we spend money on this? Can we spend money on that? And then again, eventually that wish list gets pretty big. And I make the point, I remind them of that constitutional spending limit that it takes a two thirds vote. That's 100 out of 150 in the Texas House, 21 out of 31 in the state Senate. So then they go, oh, wait, that means we can't. So no, I didn't say you can't. I just said it requires an extra vote that's much higher in threshold. Typically, that does not happen. It just means that, as I told a group this morning in a speech, I said, I've yet to know a legislative body that wants to go home and tell their constituents, oh, by the way, I voted to what's called bust the constitutional spending limit. There's there's not hardly any members that want to do that. Now, does that mean that they will take a vote to take certain monies out for certain purposes as we did $2 billion a decade ago to invest in water infrastructure, that we will dedicate part of those dollars that used to go to our state savings account for road infrastructure. And so my point is that may take one-time opportunities to do significant investments in something that we need as a state, but to truly just spend all the money I have yet to meet a legislative body that's going to do that. And I don't think this one will at all, which, in fact, that's a good thing, because what I have learned in the last two and a half years, only God knows what's on the horizon. We've seen a lot of one time events. We've seen natural disasters. We've seen winter storms. We've seen global covid pandemics. So you don't know what's on the horizon. And that's why it's always important to save for a rainy day because you just don't know what's going to happen in the economy in the future years. I was just going to ask you that because, you know, the the legislature here meets every two years. The budget is produced every two years. Uh, You know, you're trying to look out into the future, essentially. You know, we're just about to be wrapped up with the first of this two year budget cycle. Is that right? Uh, So um, how concerned are you when you are, as you say, the chiefs, you know, the chief financial officer for the state of Texas? After all we've been through in the past several years, how concerned are you that, you know, we don't know what's right around the corner here. So, guys, yeah, we have all of this money to spend right now, but let's not go crazy because we don't know what comes a month down the road, six months down the road. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that, that is the absolute question. You don't know what's coming on the horizon. There's a story that I tell that, you know, we live west of Houston, Katie, where we call home. Actually, I'm in Austin every week, but that's where we call home. Uh, we back up to a creek, which means that if it rains a whole bunch, i.e. Hurricane Harvey or the tax day floods, the back of our house, the creek turned into a roaring river. Then fast forward, we had a global global pandemic. 
winter storm, Uri, lights were out, all these different things. You go, well, why are you repeating this, Glenn? Well, I'm going to tell you a story that I had a few years ago when the lights were out here, much like others in Texas, is we were taking our kids to a, one of our friend's house because they had a natural gas generator. The home was warm. And my son asked me, who was one month shy of 13, he said, Dad, why don't we have a natural gas generator? And I said, that's a great question. One, dad doesn't think we need one because I grew up on a farm and that's more stuff I got to keep up. One more thing I got to do around here. Number two, I said, son, this was a once in a lifetime event. And about that time, you know, when you're talking to people and you see a twinkle in their eye that actually they just think of something that makes your comment almost not relevant anymore. And that's when my son, I almost knew what was coming. He goes, so wait. And I could see he was thinking Hurricane Harvey global pandemic. Oh, by the way, April of last year, oil prices actually went negative for a day, which means instead of you paying me, I pay you to take the oil off my hands. So he was thinking of all these things. And he looked at me and he said, how many once in a lifetime events am I actually going to have to live through dad? So I chuckled and I tell that story to people because even though the economy is performing at a higher level than we've ever seen it in the state, that doesn't mean that it's going to be that way in the next year the next two years. That's the point of that. And so therefore, I made that comment to the House and the Senate last week. They got my point that if my 13-year-old kid can figure out we don't know what's on the horizon, then we also need to be mindful and we need to budget accordingly and make sure that we're prudent in our decisions for the next two years, as well as the next five, 10, and 15. Sounds like the younger Hagar might... uh might be a uh, successor to you there in the, yeah, well, the CFO he, I, I, I think he caught it on quicker than I did in life, which is a good <laughs> thing. Isn't that what we want of our kids? Yeah, right. It is. Um, as far as, you know, this is a revenue estimate, and it's important to, to say estimate because things are looking good, and, and you pointed out just there how we don't know what's going to happen in the coming right. months. But let me ask you about this. Gas prices we have seen are falling over the past few weeks. Uh, there's still talk, though, of suspending the state gas tax and maybe even the federal gas tax if if Congress can get on board with that. But the state gas tax is an extra 20 cents in every gallon. If that's suspended, uh, how will that impact the, the, the revenue estimate? Because we're all filling up. We're all driving as much as we were. I mean, obviously, it would impact state treasury to some degree because it's 20 cents on every gallon. However, that is de minimis to the grand scheme of the state treasury. That's actually going to help every single taxpayer. It's something that is added dollars back in their pocket. You know, and you and I talk about 20 cents a gallon. Oh, is it that important? <laughs> when gas is $5 a gallon, 20 cents a gallon adds up. You know, whether it's 480 or $5, for example, if it's $2, it's not that it, it, it may not be as significant of an issue to us, but at these prices is. And so the overall to the state treasury, it's really not going to be that significant of an issue to the state treasury. And I think that, you know, that that's really the issue we got to look at is how do we provide relief to the people that are actually working, living and doing everything that makes the Texas economy what it is, which is the average taxpayers. A lot of states around the country, it's not just Texas, are, are seeing these inflation surpluses uh, right now. Uh, in fact, California just had a, a mammoth one. Uh, and they actually have been writing checks uh, to send back to residents there. Good idea, bad idea, something we might see in Texas? Yeah, you know, last session, the legislature talked about writing checks to uh, property taxpayers, um, in, in essence, trying to provide a rebate back. And we have done some types of rebates uh, here in the state of Texas in the past. It's been a long time. Uh, I wasn't in elected office. I don't even know if I was 
eligible to really vote back then. I recall it was so long ago. But the fact is, that was something that's discussed. I think the legislature will probably talk about that. You're right. All states actually have a good economy right now here in the U.S. Not only do they have the economies growing overall, but also all the federal money that has been sent to the states that they can't actually spend. You know, I think it'll be interesting in uh, California, California and some of the East Coast states that are income tax states. A lot of their revenue is derived off capital gains. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, last year, there was large capital gains. This year, not going to be such capital gains. And so, you know, I think those states would be wise to look out that we have surpluses today, but our tax revenues off capital gains next year, if anybody's looked at the uh, the stock market and their returns as of late, it hadn't been that way this year. So those states will probably see a change to their budget forecast in next year, you know, regardless of uh, what the overall direction of the economy is right now. For taxes, thankfully, you know, we don't have an income tax. We don't tax those mechanisms. And so we have a little bit more stable supply of revenues in the treasury and it's more even kill over time than some of the other states, which I think is important to point out at times. Let's talk about water just for Wait, a moment. Real quick, can go, I ask one ahead, more Jason. question? Uh, one more question about um, the, the economy, just because I'm curious, and this is your first visit uh, here to Yolitix. So we didn't get to talk to you in those really dark months, especially in early 2020. And I'm just curious, when you are the numbers guy for the state, I mean, everything went off a cliff. You had already you know, put out this estimate. You told, law, told lawmakers, here's what you can spend. Everything just cratered. I'm curious what that was like in your world, in your office, with your staff. How frenzied was that? You know, were there a lot of late nights where you're like just crunching the numbers over and over and over again and it just looks worse and worse? How did that go? Yeah, you know, there was a lot of uh, hypotheticals you try to run on what can the scenario be. And uh, but the fact is, you just didn't have any data. And so what I try to do in the very beginning, even though I didn't sleep very well at night, um, it was a pretty nerve wracking time. I had a lot of businesses called because they were shut down. They were panicked. They didn't know how they were going to pay their employees. I had legislators calling. What do you think the deficit's going to be? How bad is it going to be? Uh, former members calling. So it was it was a hectic time. I cannot underestimate that. It 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 was a. Uh, as they would say, hair on fire to some degree, just trying to keep everybody focused. But one of one of my jobs is to try to put perspective. And, uh, and I use a couple of different uh, examples. One, I was on a call making lunch for my kids because they were having school from home, being a high schooler and two junior high kids. And uh, I was on a call with the other 49 treasurers around the nation. And my number two, my deputy, she texts me and just said, I'm not gonna say a word. Well, what was not said in the text, but there was more to it, is if you heard the voices on the call from the other treasurers around the nation, they were literally panicked. They didn't know how they were going to pay their bills. And, and so Texas, I was able to tell that story very quickly to make perspective is that while we didn't know exactly what was on the horizon, we really needed a couple months of data to truly tell us an indicator what are job reports, what are in, in returns into the treasury coming at, those data's lag. You know, what we could look at was some points exactly right then what was happening, how many people were flying in airplanes, how many people were going to hotels, how many people were traveling, whether it's on these devices and you get the real-time data, credit card type data that people were releasing. So you were seeing some data points that you didn't normally observe before, but they were real-time. So we needed to be able to look at that data but what I could tell people is based on where Texas entered into that uncertainty, 
We had created about 25% of all the jobs in the nation in the last 10 years. The Texas economy had outperformed the national economy. And even though we didn't know how deep, how wide, the Texas foundation was substantially stronger than these other states. And that's why my deputy texted me and said, I'm not going to say a word because the, the concern in their voices was much greater than ours. And unfortunately, sometimes in life, that helps give you perspective that when you wake up and you may say, oh, poor pitiful me. When you look at some other folks and you go, you know what? Life is all good. Um, I'm going to say thank you. Praise the Lord. And, and my point is, we didn't know, but we could tell people we were, we were in a better footing. And, and that kind of calmed people down that knowing we were in a better position here in Texas. And so once we started getting some data two months, three months down the road, we could tell it wasn't as bad as some scenarios may be. Two to three more months down the road, it was a little better. And, th- and that's when really relief, you know, maybe the gray hair I got stopped getting gray so fast because you could tell in five, six, eight months. And really amazingly, that trend has continued over the two and a half years. It's continued out form expectations, which has been remarkable to sit in this seat and be in this position. Glenn, we're over on time. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. We always appreciate it, man. Always good to be with you for the first time. Maybe I'll get to come on the second time. <laughs> Sorry I made us late on this uh, first meeting. Appreciate it. We'll, yeah. call you, we'll call you back, man. We appreciate it, sir. All right. Good to be with you all today. Thanks, guys. Bye. So um, a a lot of ideas there on uh, how some of this money might be spent. Um, You know, I saw an an article in the Texas Tribune and I I loved the the headline or the sub headline on it because it said, you know, something to the effect of beware the promises that are going to come from incumbent elected leaders as we head into this big election in November, because they can actually afford to make the promises right now because they have got a pocket full of money. My thing is, you know, we we talked about these different ideas on how this money might be spent, Jason. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people would be thrilled for property tax relief because Texans pay some of the highest rates in the country. Right. But, you know, we've got a, a lot of cities here in this state that are majority renter now. How do those renters get impacted by that if that's what happens? You know, you can say, ah, it'll trickle down. It goes through the property owner and then it does not trickle down into your rent. I'm sorry. It just doesn't. You're, you're so, not paying less rent if, if, if the owner is paying less property taxes. Yeah. So you're going to have a lot of people in a lot of places who are going to say you did nothing for me if you only dealt with property taxes with that extra money. I didn't see anything from that. I will say uh, that, you know, that gas tax idea that might uh, be very popular with a lot of folks. You know, it would be really popular is if you gave people perhaps an electricity rebate since uh, electric bills here in this state have soared. Uh, I don't know if that's one of the, the options they're considering, but if they really want to make friends of a lot of people, uh, that's an area to look. And I do think, um, you know, California uh, made a lot of waves uh, not too long ago when they decided that they were going to send, you know, gazillions of people there in the state, uh, you know, a check with uh, about a thousand dollars on it. Uh, because they've had such a surplus there. Uh, again, uh, the comptroller there, you know, hearing at least rumblings that, you know, maybe we see something like that. We don't know yet. Mm. I don't know. I just don't see Texas lawmakers approving checks to no. be sent out. Yeah. I don't either. I, 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 I don't at all. But, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, too, it's not just the state lawmakers, but as I mentioned, too, the uh, city council members, your mm-hmm. county commissioners, they're all mm-hmm. going to have more money from the sales tax 
revenues that have been the highest they've ever been. The comptroller there just said uh, the Texas rainy day fund mm-hmm. gets a three and a half billion dollar deposit. That's huge. The mm-hmm. state highway fund gets another three point five eight billion dollars. Does that mean that we're going to see more, uh, you know, more new freeways, more, you know, widening these roads that always have bottlenecks on and things like that? I, well, I would say, I can know. we I, finish the ones that are already coned off? OK, right. maybe we can speed up the finish on those before we start opening up new areas to, to do. Don't, don't get ahead of yourself there, Wheeler. Don't get ahead of yourself. Man. Uh, <laughs> now, now I'm dreaming about this yeah, money, right? Now I really dreaming. are dreaming. What that, that, that honey citrus beer is going to your mm-hmm. head, uh, I think. You know, I, I, I posted something on Twitter the other day. Um, and, and someone wrote back, it was something about California versus Texas. And someone wrote back and said, yeah, but you know, one of the big differences as far as the tax revenues go is um, California has much nicer roads. Hmm. I'm thinking, you know what? I, I just came back from California. I was like, that's, I didn't drive, you know, all the city streets, but I was in Los Angeles and I uh, went to a few suburbs around LA and I wasn't paying attention to the roads, but I don't recollect any, any, you know, major problems like you have in the city of Houston, mm. the city of Dallas and, and other places. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wonder if, uh, if if we shouldn't repair some of these patches and, and, and you know, audit our, our road construction a little more and, and our, our uh, uh, you know, our infrastructure. But then again, you know, police and firefighters, they likely deserve a raise too. We, in, in the city of Dallas, uh, the city of Dallas is still, I think, down 900 police officers because so many mm-hmm. officers go to suburbs where they can get paid more. There's mm-hmm. a lot of places for uh, our elected officials to spend this money. Yeah, we will see uh, where they put it all. And, and you know, I'm, I'm for at least some help on those roads. Do you know that I just replaced two tires after 19,000 miles? 19,000 miles. 19,000 miles. And this is the calmer me driving now. Like, I, you, I've slowed it down, taken it easier. Still, are you still drifting in Victory Park on the weekends? Are you, <laughs> are you burning up the tires like that? Or, what, how are you burning up your tires so quick? I don't know. I don't know how that happened. I think it, you know, I think what burned up my tires was these 110 degree days where the pavement is probably at 150. So, yeah, it had to be that. It couldn't have been me. I, I really wish our listener could 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 sit in the car with you. Could ride no, shotgun it's gotten with you. a lot better actually. It's I'm telling you, it's the manufacturer who will go unnamed in this podcast uh, because I want to keep my job. But um, yeah, it's the manufacturer. I've had problems <laughs> with them before. At well, any rate, a, uh, we digress. Now we're just wasting yeah. your time talking about my driving habits, which no one wants to hear about. Uh, we will uh, do this all again next Tuesday. Thanks as or next wait. We will do this next, all again next week. Next week. Uh, Thanks, as always, uh, for listening to us. And, you know, ask your friends and family members if they're listening to us and share this with them. Uh, Make them sign up. Uh, We we like to have a big audience out there. And let us know what you think. You're you're not driving anywhere for this podcast, are you? I am, actually. (laughs) I've only had three sips of this. 